Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. So in Luke 15 is where we'll be. We're going to start with a quick question of us all. When was the last time you ran? Some of you are hurting just thinking about the question. When was the last time you ran? I know I'm looking around, some of you young people are like, yeah, man, I could do it for you right now. There's other people like, not so much. Okay, when was the last time you ran? I was thinking in my life, and I thought, well, the last time I tried to play tennis with my daughter who plays at her college on the college tennis team. Yeah, pretty much I was the run, one running when we tried to do that. Uh, I also thought of the same daughter, and this was probably, oh, when was this? This was a while back, and we went out for a jog. And uh, we, I think we went two miles, and when we got back about a quarter mile from the house, uh, I don't know whether she started it or I started it. I started the speed up thing, like, oh, who's going to win the last? And so then she, she's competitive, and so she was like, oh, yeah, and I'm like, oh, yeah, and oh, yeah. So I remember I, I kind of almost got up to a run at that point, and then some, it's right, something broke. And I'm like, yeah, okay, you win. Did that thing. Uh, so when was the last time you ran? Maybe you can think of. Oh, for some of you, if you have children or had children, you think of when the toddler thing was happening, and in another room, you heard a crash and a scream. Maybe you ran. Or maybe you went, whatever. I don't know. But maybe you ran. So we're going to do a quick shift to another question, we're going to adjust it. When was the last time you ran spiritually? Like you knew God wanted you to do something, and he wanted you to do it now. Another word you could insert there is urgency. When was the last time you were spiritually urgent? Couldn't put it off till tomorrow because it needed to happen. Years ago came back from uh, a, basically a prayer meeting that went long because some interesting things were happening while we were praying. I was praying with a friend for another person who was going through a, a mess. I got home at like midnight, and uh, when I walked in the bedroom, my wife, Denise, was awake, which was unusual because she was like pretty good at sleeping. How many of you are good at sleeping? Okay, how many of you struggle with sleeping? Yeah, okay, well, that's me. But my wife tends to, you know, be pretty good at it. So it's like, so I came in, and she was pretty much wide awake, and she, she turned over, and she said, where have you been? And, and it was, it wasn't, but it was a different, where have you been? I said, well, I was you know, at Clint's, and we were praying for this uh, person. And, and then she went on to describe what had happened about, about an hour before that, which was why she was wide awake. She felt something while she was sleeping, and uh, she just isn't, she doesn't tend to make up or be, this was unusual. So she said, I felt something weird, like in the, in the house, and I rolled over, and the hallway light was still on, and she said, I saw some kind of a dark, shadowy figure pass the door and go into our daughter, who's maybe one years old, into the bedroom, and as that went in, 
our daughter started screaming. That'll wake you up, won't it? <laughs> and I, so I share that as an example of, do you know, in that moment, my, by the way, my wife got up, went in, prayed, everything was fine. But, but how do you know when I got home, I then knew I was supposed to pray, like then, not like, well, hey, you know, maybe next week or at some point we should decide to pray for our children. It was an urgency thing. Does that make sense? When was the last time you spiritually ran? Ephesians 4.26 is a verse that came to mind that says, Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In other words, if you're angry, deal with it when? Now. It says, do not give the devil a foothold. I would submit to you that spiritual greats, people who, who we could model our life after, Bible character people, a lot of them, part of the reason that they were successful is because they had a gear, a spiritual gear that included, I know I need to do something, and in this particular thing, it needs to happen now with urgency. It's a story of David in the Old Testament. You may have heard of David. David is up against an enemy. His name is Goliath. It's going to be, it's going to be the big fight thing. And it says in 1 Samuel 17, as David's just, this is just the beginning of David even be, being, becoming aware that there's going to be a big fight. It says, David left the things with the keeper of supplies. Notice this about him. Ran to the battle lines. Huh. In verse 48, it says, as the Philistine, that's the big enemy, his name's Goliath. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David, it says, ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. And then at the end of the story, this is after David thumps him in the head with a rock and the guy falls back and he's minimally unconscious. It says, David ran, no, 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 no. David ran and stood over him, Goliath. He cut off his head with the sword. It it's probably was wise to not go, well, I wonder if he's dead. Maybe tomorrow I'll come back and cut off his head. Because if you don't do it now, the dude may get, you know, it'll be one of those scary movie things where the guy keeps coming back to life. Now, you've never seen those movies? Like, you think, oh, he's dead now. No, he's not. So, so he ran to finish the deal. How many of you were talking about cutting off heads and stuff? How many of you are glad you're in church so far? Yeah. Woo! All right. I like this place. 1 Corinthians 9.24, the Apostle Paul, writer of a lot of the New Testament, he describes the Christian life as a race, and it says, run in such a way as to get the prize. The last little nugget here before we make a shift, I did a little study, a word study on the word immediate, or immediately in the Bible, and in the version that I looked it up, the, the word immediately showed up in the whole Bible 83 times. Set, you may not like this, but I like this. 77 of the times were in the Gospels and the book of Acts, which is the meat of when Jesus came. You want to know the life of Jesus? Jesus brings to us, if you're curious about following him or continue to follow him, 
part of what the kingdom of God brings into our life at times is a sense of immediacy, urgency. It doesn't mean that we're running around all the time, oh, look out, look out, it, it, but it means there are times when we, as we mature, we know this is a thing that is important now, and we're going to do it now. That makes sense, because we can really mess up our lives at times by procrastinating. Like, you really should have that conversation with your employee or your boss or the whatever, but you just keep, you know, pushing it down the road. How many of you know that doesn't fix anything? Or there's a relational thing going on, and you really should forgive, but you don't, and then they don't, and then, and then it, it, there's certain times. We can mess up our lives if we don't have some capacity to do some things with urgency. If you put off a financial plan until you're 64, good luck with that. It should have started. So we're like, oh, okay, start the, never mind. Hold those thoughts. We're in this series called Hello, Dad, a fresh look at our Heavenly Father. And today we're going to look from a Bible verse, some verses where the Father ran. Now, that sounds interesting to me because most of the time if I think, well, picture God. If you're online right now, picture God. Most of us probably don't think, that's not what we picture. But in this story, the Father actually runs. So we're in Luke 15. Jesus is in the midst of teaching us and people about God. And he's using stories to help us know that God cares for lost people people. So he's just told a story about a lost sheep where the shepherd goes out and tracks him down. He's told a story about a woman who loses a coin. She has 10 coins and she loses one. And so she diligently sweeps the house until she finds it. And then he tells this story. Verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them, the two sons. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. I'll sum up a few verses. The kid goes out, he sins, does stupid things, and then he suffers consequences for that. How many of you have ever suffered consequences because you did something stupid or sinful? No, I, should I just wait till we all raise our hands? Okay, so he goes out, does that stuff. Life gets bad, and then he, then he realizes this is crazy. And so in verse 17, it says, When he came to his senses, he said, This is the boy. How many, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while, here we go, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, look at it, he ran to his son. 
threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the, but the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. The title of the talk is Urgent Dad, the Father Who Runs. And basically, we're going to explore or hopefully answer the question, what caused God to run? A couple applications right away, because if you're like me and trying to live for God, it would be good to know what God cares about with such urgency so that I can adjust. And also, it's good just to know, like today, what is on God's heart? It would be these kinds of things. So, let me pray. Father, uh, I pray that, well, for some, maybe we just need a general sense of urgency to increase in our life. So I just ask that you would do that. And will you give us a good, a better or clear understanding of some of your passions, some of the things that make you jump into action? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Two ideas from the text. First thing is this. God ran toward a, fill in the blank, is a distant sinner. Distant sinner. From the text, it describes while he that's the boy, young man, the man, young boy, was still, and I noticed he's still a long way off. It says his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, and he ran. So let's talk about this long way off. This is, we're going to look at that specific word in the original language, this is not while the sun was just at the, uh, on the edge of the uh, yard. That's not what this word means. It doesn't even mean like kind of across the street. The language here, it's that word. It looks like that. It means a long way. It's far. It's at a distance. It means remote. Could have translated it remote, even alien. So it's like he's in a Different countries, like way, he's someplace. It included a great way off or absolutely. So there's some extreme, this is far. So this next picture, just to help us see what it may have been like. So that, it would have been farther away than that. Have you ever, so probably it would have been if that guy, I think that's a guy, was like up the hill you ever been driving or walking and you see somebody down the road? You know it's a human being, but, and you think, oh, I think they're walking. Maybe they're riding a bike, but you don't even know which direction they're going. You just know it's that kind of a thing. That's probably not a bad picture of what this word means. And so that tells me that when the father takes off running toward this uh, son, he, it was a fairly risky moment. And I want to give you three ideas on the risk he was taking when he took off running. So the first one is this. 
The father, when the father ran, uh, it was fairly risky, emotionally risky. Because if, you're, if, if he's that far away, you could get there and go, oops, that's not my son. How many know that'd be a downer? So you could, because it's that far away. You, it was emotionally risky for him to go, because you could get there. And he, oh, I just imagine, even if as you got close, you would just go, oh, I thought it was, I thought it was him. Uh, another emotionally, emotional risk that could have been in play in this kind of a picture would be, what if the son is not walking toward you? What if he's walking away? And you get there and you say, oh, son, I'm so, and he's like, I'm not coming home. That'd be a emotional risk. The other risk that I can imagine, financial risk, because the last time, part of the last experience you had with the son was when he was taking his money and leaving. And so he's probably some financial risk when you talk about this. The third one would have been physical risk. This is just kind of interesting me to think about because this guy has two, the father has at this point two adult sons, makes him middle age ish and he's taking off in a sprint. Can anyone say pulled muscle? <laughs> Corey's like, yeah, yeah, I get that. So right, right? And I don't, this is not in the story, but I can imagine, you know, it says that he, you know, hugs him. I'll bet the, I wonder if the first thing that came out of the father's mouth when he got to his son was not this. <laughs> that, because he's taken off running, gets there, I'm sure he's like, just, whoo, just a second, boy. I got some good things, but right now you need to help your daddy because he's... Because he just sprinted. Some of you have forgotten what it's like to sprint. Because you, you get there, you'd like, give me the, whatever those paddle things are. It's, okay. It's physically risky to be a middle-aged person taking off on a sprint. All right. This translates in some theology about God our Father. This is important. When it comes to far-off people, God is, this is a fill-in-the-blank, irrationally eager. It, it doesn't make sense that he would that urgently, eagerly go after a lost person. You'd think he would temper his aggressive nature toward going after us. If you need a visual that shows how crazy in love or how crazy God is at pursuing humanity, here is a great visual. It's an image of Christ on the cross. And I know that, that for some that that's hard to look at, but it would have been hard to look at. And it doesn't make sense that God would send his son to try to get lost people it doesn't make sense that he would go to that extreme to get it. God is in an almost irrational pursuit of lost people. So this points to a couple applications for us. The first thing is fill in the blank. God really wants me home. Like, if you, if you don't understand that, he really wants you home. Even if you're just 
If you're thinking about leaving God, wandering off somewhere to some silly or sinful place, if you're thinking about, yeah, I don't know, I'm just going to not pay much attention to God for the, for the next, you know, three days, three months, God really wants you home. The other thing it challenges me with is, am I living urgently enough, fill in the blank, urgently enough, especially toward lost people? Am I acting like God so that when I know someone is far from God, am I being diligent or urgent in my communication, in my invitation? It's one of the reasons that we encourage you as a church. Are we inviting people to church? Are we praying for them? Are we trying to talk to them about God? Are we doing everything we can to try to get them toward the Father? Are we running toward them with energy? And I want to just, I want to paint a picture of what this looks like if I'm doing it better. Because, okay, so let's be urgent about people who don't yet know God. Okay, here's a couple things that, that if I'm doing that well, it translates into my life. First one is this two stories about my neighbor, Sean. Great guy. Uh, initial, I've had a few conversations with him. My initial conversation with Sean about God, he said to me something like, yeah, I'm really not into that stuff. So that was, but that's okay. Um, something happened two months ago. I'll have to speed up the story. Two months ago, I usually, it used to be I was initiating conversation with him. He lives across the street. So I'd see him out, and I'd be the one who'd be like, hey. Yeah, I'm one of those creepy neighbors. Like, hi, how are you? But a couple months ago, I was out mowing my lawn, and I saw Sean come out of his house, and he was coming toward me, which was just a little different. You know, like he was coming to my, and so here's what, if I'm living urgently toward lost people, you know what that makes me do? I shut down my lawnmower, and like then, I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to wave and say, gosh, well, maybe I'll talk to him later. No, shut the stupid lawnmower off and go. Does that make sense? Because he is looking awfully available, so we just had a conversation. The other thing that happened, this is embarrassing. Are you ready? Ah, I don't want to tell you. I am becoming a cat guy. I'm becoming a cat person. I'm so sorry. Some of you are going to leave the church. I, have, I am becoming a cat person. I'm sorry. I'm embarrassed. Here's my cats. My little kitties. I know. Oh, aren't they cute? Okay. So, got these cats. And so, yeah, you can leave them up again. They're so pretty. Look at them. Okay, so anyway, I got these cats. So those are my cats. I'm having fun with these cats. And so it was time to get the cats fixed because I don't want to be like that kind of a cat person where there's like a hundred of them. Look at all it. No, I didn't want to do that. So we got the cats fixed, and, uh, which, by the way, costs money. I'm like, I can't believe I'm spending money on these cats. And Jeez, I'm a cat guy. Okay. God, so it's my response. I take them to the, to, for them to get their little operation. My little cats have operations. So got them home, pulled in the driveway, and I've not, they're still like in the box that they went, and they're doing this thing, and, and you'll never guess, guess who comes out, guess who's in his front yard and wants to talk? Sean. I'm like, well, my cats. I live busy. What and so I, and I go out there, and I start to talk to Sean. And I don't know what's going on. He wants to talk. We had our longest conversation. We talked like 30 minutes out on the road. And I'm in the back of my brain thinking, but my kitties are in a box. And, they come. 
And I actually didn't think that because it must have been a good spiritual day for me because I'm thinking, God, you take care of the cats because Sean wants to talk how long you want to talk, Sean, because I am in to anything you want to talk about. That's living urgently. The cats died. No, they didn't. <laughs> I just like messing with you cat people. Like, They're fine. <laughs> Some of you are not going to recover from that. We're going to do prayer at the end, and they're going to go, I just need prayer because my heart's broken because of a cat. Okay. Live urgently. Uh, one little last comment before we move on to the second point, which is about time. Um, hey, there's a temptation to be urgent with pretty found people. Like you meet a Christian and you think, oh man, they're a, re they're a really cool Christian. Let's have coffee this week, right? How about we shift at least 25% of our time? Let's meet someone. That they're like a nice, but they're a non-Christian person. Or maybe they're not even nice, but they're a non. How about we decide, hey, hi, how are you? And, and get urgent about today. Let's, what, are we, what are you doing today? Let's have coffee today. Or how about, why don't you come over to the house and we'll, whatever you do at your house. You know what I mean? How about we take a chunk of our time and just decide, I'm making room for a person who's far from God. All right. God ran toward a distant sinner. Second thing, God ran to restore the repentant. Restore there's two concepts here, restore and repentant. Restore the repentant. Verse 21. The son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Little pause. You want to know what repentance looks like? This is, by the way, important. Look at the language. A repentant person, if I'm repentant, sin is a great word to use. He doesn't say, it's not like, Father, oops, I messed up. He says, I have sinned against heaven. He, has, he understands, he's at least verbalizing, I have sinned, offended against God, and my sin has affected you. Our sin does, is not just against God primarily against God, it's against God, and we know this, when we sin, that screws up other people's lives as well. So that's a great view and understanding of repentance. This boy is repentant. Verse 22, the father said to his servants, here's another urgent word, quick. He says, quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Can I just pause there? That seems a little fast. Don't you think, from a human perspective, like, come on, Dad. You do, really? This kid's been out doing all kinds of who knows what's and bad, and you're going to quickly give him, and I notice, bring the best robe what are we talking about? If we were all going to vote, we would say, no, don't give him the best. Okay, I'm going to give him a robe. But can we find a used robe, at least till we find out what's been going on in his life? Not the best robe. His other children probably don't have the best robe on. You're going to give him the best one, a brand new one, and a ring on his finger? 
shouldn't we first interview him and find out what he did with the last ring you gave him? The whole pawn shop thing, when he was out of food. Is that, isn't that the way we would think? Yes, it is. Come on, admit it. We would think that's too fast. And sandals? Can we, he should at least, this, okay, so give him the robe, maybe the ring, but can we just not give him any? He should walk around on the gravel for at least a few days. Because don't we want to shame him a little bit? Is God not different than us? Amen? God is different than we are. Here you can write this in. The God didn't, let's see, the Father didn't make the Son work much on his way back. Didn't make him work at all. He just said, that's my Son. I'm going to restore you to sonship now. I'm going to finish our time with a couple challenges. The first two, they're, they're, not, they're not filling the blanks, but they'll just come up on the screen, and it may apply to some of us. First one is this. Don't beat yourself up too much. Some of you are beating yourself up for something God, for, he, he forgave you that last, yesterday or two weeks ago. Or six years ago. And he is saying to you today, I gave you, I gave you the I gave you the robe and the ring. What are you doing? Don't and by the way, people will tend to beat us up oftentimes more than God would beat us up. This is a little bit hard for me, but I already talked to you about if we have repented, by the way, the sun does not it does not go away spend the money, come back. Go away, spend the money. This is not 38 times the son is repenting. He's like saying, I'm coming back. And the son says, you're restored. I wonder if the father didn't run defense in the family. Anybody who started to put him down, I wonder if the father's like, get away. We are just celebrating he's home. You shut up. (laughs) That's my son. That's the robe. Yeah, it's the best robe. Does that make sense? God's different. So, line up your life with God. People still may, oh, I still remember what you did, but God forgets. No, that's my daughter. It also challenges us with this. What is my posture toward the repentant? Do I make them pay? So when your spouse does that thing that they do, do you say, oh, yes, I forgive you, but don't kiss me? Right? Well, I'll forgive you, but I'm really not going to talk to you. I'm going to have that attitude for two days. Yes, you're forgiven, sort of. This, right? How, you know how we do that? We don't restore. Just, uh-oh, I saw it. There was the poke over here. Like, But isn't it easy to, hey, how many of you have heard the Bible verse uh, it goes something like this. Yes, we need to forgive, but forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. How many of you have heard that Bible verse? You haven't because it's not in there. It isn't. Sorry, that gets quoted more than other legit Bible verses. God is a, for- God is a forgetter of sin. So it's just like, I'm sorry, some of us like, right now you're like, well, I don't like this. I don't like where this is going. But this is what God does. And if you want to, oh, are you ready? You want to be a phenomenal human being that changes the lives of other people. 
you will understand there is more power in restoration than there is in withholding from other people. There is more supernatural power when you restore people and you say, yes, I trust you, than when you withhold from them. Some of us, have our lives have been changed by that. Because someone, they knew we were going to screw up, and we're like, I'm sorry. And they're like, it's okay, you can go try it again. I'm so grateful spiritually that when I became a Christian, there was someone who said to me, Mark, I want you to go, you know, try to lead this Bible study. And I did, did it 40% totally wrong. I know I did. But they didn't go, okay, well, well, we'll try again in three years after you've walked on some gravel. And we just, you know what? They, they acknowledged, and then they said, it's okay, go give it another shot. There was this restoration. That changes life way more than the, there's not power in withholding. We think there is. The power comes through restoration and and, uh, empowerment and helping. Is is this making any sense? Way more power in that than I'm going to make you pay. And again, the backdrop of this is repentance. Not perfection. (laughs) I know, I know I'm wandering. We're going to be here for a long time. Um, not really. There's no indication that this son became the perfect son. Right? He did repent. He was, but he didn't become the perfect son. Come on. Ugh. Final fill in the blanks. How accurate is my view of God? How accurate? This is just to repaint the picture in our mind of our Father in heaven. He's a God who runs after lost people, and he wants to restore you. What what did you do two days ago? Some of us... Like we did something three years ago. Three years, get over it. God's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Put this ring on your finger and put on the robe. God's not withholding that. Maybe some people are tending to try to make you just line up with God. And the last question is, how am I doing at spiritual urgency? My prayer is that we would be followers of Jesus who know how to, every once in a while, go, I'm on it. Get it done. Why don't you stand? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.